I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you boys doing? Well, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since we podcasted, and, well, we skipped a week, and look what happened. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Stan Lee passed away uh, in, in the bye week, and, uh, you know, very, very sad, tragic news. Um, and I was reading this morning before we podcasted, actually, just kind of about the controversial things that have happened in the last two years of his life as it relates to his daughter and, the, you know, the nurse gropage and the elderly abuse and the stealing of money and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's sad that when rich people die, like their last couple of years are, are generally unhappy. Well, and rich old people, right? I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, the problem with when you live to be to an advanced age like Stan did is that you outlive the people you trust. And yeah. so you wind up being surrounded by people who are just, you know, looking for their opportunity. I mean, <laughs> Casey Kasem is a prime example of that. You know, he, oh, that he, was a sad story. Yeah. And, and I mean, people just like this. This is how I'm going to make some money. And uh, I, I hate to see that that Stan got used that way. And I'll, I'll say what I what I said when we talked about it a while back, you know, concerning the. uh the groping of his nurse uh, and creating a, a, a hostile work environment. You know, I'm sorry. That's just what happens when, you know, dementia starts to, to sink in is that you, you learn your sense of propriety. Stan had absolutely no history of inappropriate behavior during his, uh, during his well days and people who work with the elderly uh, know that 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 there is some inappropriateness because you lose, you know, a, as part of you know losing your cognitive function, you lose your sense of propriety. And and I just I'm offended that somebody would think that they were going to get a payday by saying, you know, the 84 year old man that I'm taking care of groped me. Yeah. So Stanley was. It, we all knew this was coming. We were all prepared for it, I guess. But it's still. It struck seeing the news. Uh, I got a, I got it by uh, text somebody passing the news story along because I was really busy at work that day. But, I mean, he was 95 years old. His health had not been good. And to be honest, when you get to that age, he was so dedicated to his wife that when she passed, I think we all knew it was only going to be a matter of time. Yeah. And... I have been really like watching all of the Facebook feeds and things and just the amount of people he touched outside of uh, nurses. You know. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. You're, you're not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, outside you know, of all of us that are comic fans, just the he was an ambassador of the hobby. He was somebody that everybody knew whether they were into comics or not. And it's just amazing seeing how many people are affected by this and just random things you learn. I never realized that uh, Joni, his, you know, his wife, was the voice of Madam Web on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. I tell you what, Wayne, you're talking about you know, looking through social media on that. I used it as an opportunity to clean up my social media. Um, I saw there were several people who were just posting kind of nasty things about Stan and people who were, you know, uh, observing his passing. Uh, I, I, I was just like, wow, why would you why would you be ugly about this? 
I saw someone try that, and then everyone just jumped on him. You know, I, I didn't engage. I just unfollowed, you know, because, yeah. I mean, what's the – generally people who are horrible like that, there's no there's no benefit in jumping on them. Uh, I just think it's important to just turn off their microphone, and that's exactly so what I did. You realize this year we've lost both Stan and Ditko? Yeah, yeah, no, so, very aware of that. Very aware that uh, you know we we now live in a world without Jack, without Steve, without Stan. Uh, I, I, it's you know I, I made the comment to to our chat group earlier in the week that you know this is the first time we've lived in a world without Stan for any of us who are in the hobby. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I and I yeah, Stan hasn't been a creator in decades, right? Uh, but. It's it's weird, you know, that that he's not there anymore. Yeah, you know, Spider Man's parents are dead. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that was talked about was is, is that uh, everybody's labeling him as the creator of the Marvel universe, and I just th- that's the one thing that struck me as a little a little off is that sure he gets give him give him the lion's share of the credit, absolutely that's fine, but not all of it. No, no, you, know, you don't. You don't have that without somebody to draw all these people that have yep. become icons. Well, well and, that, and that's why and I the, call out Ditko's passing this year. Yeah, the between the two of them, yeah, that's the Marvel universe. Well, I, you know, think about Stan is the guy who made the Marvel method in terms of how comics are written. He walks into the room and he says, "Hey, Jack, I got an idea about this thing," and then Jack goes and draws it, and then Stan writes the script, right? It was a collaborative effort. You're absolutely correct, Tim. Uh, well, I think I think that the reason why it's so affecting that Stan's gone is that one, you know, he was such a huge part of the creation of that universe. But he was also, you know, as as Wayne described him, the ambassador. He was the face of Marvel Comics. Marvel reimagined uh, what superhero comics could be in the in the '60s and '70s. Uh, we wouldn't have the culture that we have today without Stan. Well, and when you look at what he did, he was a man ahead of his time in a lot of ways. He was somebody in that era that was fighting for racial equality. You know, X-Men are an allegory for, uh, for racism. He created uh, black Panther and did what he could. I mean, he had limitations to black Panther when he created him, he had to make him from another country, but he was a guy in that era where that wasn't acceptable, and he was trying to push forward issues of race relations. Yep. No, I, I, I think you know, even if you're not a comic book fan, I, I think it's undeniable the impact that Stanley has had on our culture. Uh, I think it's huge, particularly you know, when you look at the Marvel movies today. But I mean, there's just so much of what we enjoy that just wouldn't exist if you know guys like Stan, Jack, and Steve hadn't all gotten together back in the 60s. Yeah, and now who's going to play Willie Lumpkin if they ever do another Fantastic Four movie? I tell you, you know, I, I'm always kind of amused by the Stan cameos in the Marvel films. And, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard not to have this, the Stan cameo. I, you know, I bet you they book, I bet you they have some of those in the can. I hope so. I think, I think they, they probably filmed the next the Avengers one at least. I wouldn't I, be surprised if there's like two or three of them out there. I know when they did the last batch, the last one, they actually did two or three movies worth with him at the time because, let's face it, we this was oh, yeah. kind of we knew this was coming, right? Mm-hmm. But ninety five, a hell of a run. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, and 
Yeah, it it was it was sad news, but not unexpected news, and it's. Yeah. It, it's, it was uh, it was a lot more uh, a celebration of his life than anything else. I just got to say, I, I think the lesson for all of us is that when you hit about 70, you need to go make some younger friends. You know, you need to go make yeah. some friends who are, you know, in their in their 40s so that, uh, you know, when you turn 80, you can still lean on them. You know, when you turn 90, I mean, maybe you're maybe you're, you're you know, OK, I need X amount of 30 year old friends. <laughs> I need X amount of old friends. Yeah, all within certain sort of job parameters. You know, I'm, I, I need an, I need a, a good attorney. I need, you need to be cycling through some some ethical uh, accountants. <laughs> you know, money this, managers. This is yeah. Aaron's Aaron's rainbow spectrum friendship uh, plan. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you can you can really sort of you know diagram all this out, which is uh, going to be going to be my move. <laughs> well, you know, um, I guess it, it's funny because, well, I, it, you know, it's not funny, but, you know, we are generally a DC heavy podcast. And coincidentally, we have a lot of Marvel this week. Um, just you know, we've got Marvel news. We've got Marvel books. Um, we have a couple of big DC books at the end. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got renewed for season seven ahead of season six actually premiering. Um, so I guess the what what the executives at ABC are seeing as it relates to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 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 six um, are, are, are promising because they already renewed it for another season. A show that I think and Wayne may be the, the sole dissenter here. All of us feel was was past its prime pretty much after the first episode. Now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I've watched it from the beginning. Uh, I, the first season really struggled with they tried to tie it in with the movies. And so it was in a waiting period the whole time, like the whole half of the first season. Second half of the first season was good. It's had its ups and downs. Last season was pretty good, but I'm shocked to hear that it's renewed before we've even seen an episode of season six, because it is an it is a show that has been inconsistent. That's got to be some type of negotiation. Like, I feel like yes, it's got, I feel like it's got something to do with the fact that Disney owns it. Yeah, I, and I, I feel like it's okay. Sure. We'll give you this, but you have to give us one more season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., regardless of what the ratings for season six are, I guess. You know, Disney owns ABC. Disney owns Marvel. Disney owns Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I just feel like this is them paying themselves. And, you know, there is that magic, you know, when you've got, you know, 100 episodes in the can. You know, there's a reason why the old Star Trek shows always ran for seven seasons, because, you know, you, you did better in syndication with that, you know, uh, archive of episodes. I mean, I just, I think it's, it's not about, not necessarily about quality as it is about, you know, we can, we can double down and make some additional dollars on this. Well, and here's the thing with season six, uh, the first episode is directed by Clark Gregg, uh, agent Coulson basically, but from everything I've seen and based on the finale, he's not in season six and I don't see how you have that show continue without him. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, but it'll continue for another two seasons. Well, so, well someone, guess, someone will see. Yeah, exactly. Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, Wayne will report in. Um, and while he's reporting in on that, 
I'm sure that I will be the only one reporting in on War of the Realms. Um, so Jason Aaron has been mentioning this War of the Realms, and according to him, has been building up to it in his entire six years and 80-something issues of Thor. Um, he's been building up to this arc of the War of the Realms, which is, you know, Marvel is saying uh, a crossover event on par with Secret Wars. Um, so, you know, and that, which was a similar deal in that, you know, Jonathan Hickman was building up to that for, you know, five plus years. Uh, this is Jason Aaron's kind of big, big event that he's been building up to since working on Marvel uh, and mostly specifically Thor. Um, it's going to run for six issues released over three months, April through June. So I guess it'll be biweekly um, and we'll draw in all of the publisher's major characters, including Iron Man, Thor, the Avengers, Fantastic Four, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to like read every single character. I will uh, note they left X-Men off the list. Well, yeah, because the X-Men suck. Wolverine's in it, though. X-Men's got their own thing going on right now. Yeah. Well, will, Squir- will Squirrel Girl be in it, Paul? Uh, most likely. She's not on the promotional art, but I, I would be shocked if she's not. Um, it's uh, Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, and uh, Matt Wilson are the creative team on the book. Uh, Dodderman being... Uh, he was one of the uh, the key artists during the Jane Foster Thor arc yep. with uh, J- with uh, Jason Aaron. Um, I gotta say, like, I'm I'm actually I so when I read this news, I went to Comicsology and I was like, yeah, let me see if I maybe I'll get caught up on Thor. And I saw that the books are still not discounted, so maybe I won't get caught up on Thor. <laughs> but I'm sure as a result of this news or leading into War of the Realms, there will be some type of. Um, Special big on sale. the books. Yeah, big yeah. sale. So I'll get caught up then. Uh, but I, I'm actually kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, I'm actually very interested in this book. I, I like a lot of what Jason Aaron has done on the book. Um, generally, I picked up the first issue of this new arc and hated the art so significantly. Yeah, the art's pretty rough. Yeah, so I didn't. I hated the story of this run. But, you know, it's interesting to me. We see the uh, the preview art for this thing. And uh, my first thought is, man, that looks horrible. Horrible. This is going to be a incredibly bad story. And Paul's thoughts are, I need to buy that. Yeah, I don't know why you would think that art is horrible. I thought the uh, the promotional art was beautiful. Yeah, not the not that the art is bad. the The story the art is telling looks bad. Ah, uh, no, I think it looks great. I'm looking. For, I mean, well, and, and you know, I have been picking up Thor on and off, and you know, I, I know this is the big Malekith. Um, you know that that the war of the worlds that they've been a war of the realms that they've been building up to, and so I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, it is Marvel's first major line wide event since Secret Empire, which is kind of surprising that they're describing it that way, considering Infinity Wars is going on right now, and that seems to kind of touch everything. But <laughs> yeah. whatever, I guess they don't consider that major. Sorry, writer and well, artist of that book. Nor do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to War of the Realms. I will definitely be picking it up. And another book that Jason Aaron is writing, and I'm sure will tie into this, um, is Avengers. And we had, I guess, about I don't know, two three months ago, done like an Avengers catch up special where um, I think uh, uh, Tim Aaron and I got caught up on Avengers. Jason Aaron's run on Avengers, the first arc, and uh, Aaron and I decided like it, it wasn't good enough for us to continue. Uh, but Tim, you picked up this week's Avengers number ten, which is also Avengers number seven hundred, um, in, in in using that funky Marvel numbering. 
Yeah, the 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 number that doesn't count, but that's the number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So so how was this book? I, I saw it and I almost picked it up, but I'm like, ah. Uh... Am I good? It was kind of the Thor thing. Like, am I going to have to spend 20 bucks to get caught up to understand this issue? Uh, I wouldn't say 20 bucks. I think if you had picked up the last book, that would probably have been fine. Um, but so there's a couple of reasons I, I, I actually picked up this book. One, I, I actually really like the art. Um, you know, I uh, the, what you just talked about as far as Thor goes is, is definitely that uh, definitely that the artist kept me away. Um, this is uh, mo- mostly uh, the, the creative team of Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis, with some David Marquez thrown in there as well. Um, but yeah, when we talked about it before, I I said I don't like giant robots from space. But I like this team, and I like the voices of the characters I'm hearing, and I like the art. And honestly, I've been looking I, – I, I've set my bar pretty low as far as Marvel goes. Like, it, it, yeah, the, 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 the price is going to be a hurdle, but if it hits all of those buttons and it's characters I like, I, I'll do it. Um, this book is specifically talking about um, Namor. And his uh, eviction of of uh, humanity from the sea, basically. And uh, the, the 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 other storyline that's woven in is people in the the basically see Russian uh, call, let's call them superheroes, Russian superheroes, basically getting the band back together because the Avengers. Don't have a handle on what the what the hell's going on anymore, and that Russia's decided that they need their team back together. So you're you're going through, you know, the voices of of you know people like Dark Star and Crim and uh, Crimson Dynamo and stuff like that. Um, and what ends up happening is a big schmas fight uh, in this like underwater. Uh, laboratory that Namor has risen from the bottom of the sea between Namor's defenders of the deep the 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 uh, I don't remember what the, I don't remember what they call the Soviet guard the, and the Avengers and it was pretty cool um Namor and the the Namor uh, dialogue with Chichala is pretty pretty interesting um because it it harkens back to uh, the their Illuminati days a little bit. Um, Winter Guard, that's what the guys guys are called. So a lot of a lot of big action. All the characters sound pitch perfect. Um, and and this is the, this is my this is my my dirty uh the, my dirty secret on this one. It's got Thor and She Hulk dating, and I'm totally in, invested in that. <laughs> like, I'm in. So solid book. Um. Uh, there's a there's a good twist because the U the U S is also not real big fans of the Avengers because they put uh, T'Challa in charge of the Avengers for this team, so the U S is really annoyed by that. So they're they're doing their own thing. So they're setting up all these like squads to to kind of interact and and deal with these problems as they come up, and there's only going to lead to more and more chaos. And so. There wasn't anything not to like. Uh, the backup feature, because this was a an oversized book, 
even even the backup features are pretty good. Um, there was one scene with the new Ghost Rider and Drunken Odin, which is pretty funny. Um, that kind of calls back to the Avengers of the First Age, where Odin kind of drunk dials Ghost Rider, even though it's not his Ghost Rider. Um, and then you've got a scene with uh, apparently Galactus Wolverine is one of the other backup features talking to Loki. So I, there was nothing not to like about this book. I, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and like I'm I'm on board. Damn it, Tim. Damn you. Here's the thing. I want to like this book. I like Jason Aaron. I like Ed McGinnis. I like the team that they've chosen, uh, you know, the characters that they've chosen to be on the team. So I may go ahead and pick it up. Um, if I need to pick up issue nine to understand it, then I'll do that. But um, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll save you a little money if you'll pick up ten. Issue nine. Namor's pissed. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> See, I love Tim's comment of he goes on and on describing the story and all these reasons why I would hate it and then follows it up with there's nothing not to like here. <laughs> I really hate Namor. I just don't like the oh, character at Namor. all. I love, love Namor. That guy. I've yeah. always loved him and I've, I've I've grown even more love for Namor because of Jonathan Hickman, quite frankly. Well, yeah, and, and the, the adversarial relationship between he and T'Challa. I mm-hmm. love – the uh, the uh, the animosity between those two, you know, rulers, right? I mean, I just I, I love that. I've never cared for the character. I didn't actively hate him until all of that stuff with the X Men. Well, to be fair, you're the only one who read that book. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, that reminds me, uh, Wayne. Did you? Well, I'm surprised to hear that you didn't pick up Uncanny X Men this week. You know, I really thought about it. Eight dollars. Eight dollars. <laughs> I looked at exactly. it. I, I looked at it and I, I went to my, my guy and I, the, the comic book guy. I said, you need to really hard sell me an elevator pitch for an eight dollar X-Men book, even though it looks really cool. Yeah, no, that's exactly why I didn't pick it up. I I looked at it and I looked at it and it's like, I'm not buying this for eight dollars. I will tell you, if the book was $5, I would have even picked it up. But same here. Hell no. Yeah, I would have done a $5.99 for it even. I would have gone up to 6 But the price, they priced themselves out. And that was the only version of the book. Like, there, at least on Comixology. Yeah, only the director's cut. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's the director's cut. Let me see if there's a normal edition. There was not. (laughs) I did the exact same thing, Paul. I looked for a regular edition thinking it would be a couple bucks cheaper, and I would have gotten it if there would have been. But If it hadn't been for those pesky kids. You know, the other thing thing about Marvel this week is that did you guys – there's a couple different ads for new books in here that I'm like, I really want to try that out and enjoy it. Uh, one of them was for the original X Force team getting back together after after Cable dies. I heard about that, but I haven't seen uh, you know the art or anything on it. Oh, looks good, looks good. And then there's another one with uh, um, there's a Marvel Knights uh, uh, book that has a picture of Daredevil and Spider Man together on a rooftop, and I'm like, damn it, that looks good too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall seeing any Marvel ads this week, Paul. Did you? 
No, I will say that's one thing DC actually does better in their digital books is yeah. they have ads for other books and Marvel doesn't tend to, uh, you know, which actually brings us to the Marvel, one of the Marvel books I read this week, which was, or I guess a couple of us read this week, Fantastic Four number three, which, you know, I don't I, like, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago offline, Aaron. I, it felt like it's been a while since the last issue and maybe it hasn't. Maybe it's just a monthly book and, and we're just so used to the trend of biweekly now that a monthly book feels like forever, but it certainly seems like it's been a while. Now I'm with you. I thought it felt like it was a long time. Yeah. And, and along the, the line of how uh, Marvel produces their digital books, you know, there's variant covers to this issue of fantastic four that are not included in the digital copy. And that's super annoying. It would be not, there's no reason not to include those. Yeah. The only thing I'm looking at the, you know, the all pages view and the only thing that's included is the letters page and the next issue blurb. Um, and you know, of course the summary, the, the creator listing, um, but yeah, no ads or anything like that. Uh, so I, I, I have words on this book, but I want to hear what you guys think. I felt like the art was super uneven throughout this book. Um, yeah. I really like Sarah Pacelli, and I don't know, you know, she's doing the the art on this book with uh, Nico Leon, and it felt like, you know, and they don't break it down who does what pages, but it seemed like some pages, you know, just looked great, and other pages just looked terrible. Yeah, as an example, Um, the first page, there's a big group shot, and I think it's just the group shot looks horrible. You go to the next page, and thing looks awesome on the next page. Well, and I'll say about those group shots is, you know, that's an opportunity for the artist to really jam out. Uh, when I think of, of you know, the group shots of, of all these heroes together uh, that you really just remember back to, you're thinking about George Perez, you're thinking about, you know, all these just terrific, uh, Stuart Amonin, you know, you're thinking about these fantastic artists who have really taken a moment to demonstrate all these characters in their uh, wild uniqueness, right? And you just have these guys just standing around and they're fading into the background. You know, it's like, it felt like the artist was going, ah, oh, fuck, I don't have time to draw this, you know? Uh, and and I, was, I, was, I was super frustrated by that. But there, one of the things that I dislike is the way the Human Torch is is portrayed. Um, you know, he is he is portrayed a little bit more like he's just flame. You know, like he's a fire elemental as opposed to being a person who's on fire. Um, the way he has typically been been uh, uh, depicted, and I I wouldn't mind a change to how Johnny Storm is drawn if it was good. But it just looks so half-assed to me the way, uh, you know, it it looks like it's drawn in a shorthand. And so for me, a lot of what bugged me about this book was the artwork. Moving into the story, I'll say that, (laughs) you know, I I thought the idea that Reed had at the end of the last issue to, you know, yeah, let me just bring in the rest of the Fantastic Four. And he extends that meaning out to everybody who has ever been a member of the Fantastic Four, you know, to get over on, on the villain, uh, the Griever. Um, I thought that was great. I thought that was, that was just a really terrific idea. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I just thought that was a terrific idea. I I loved that, that, that sort of wordplay. Um, and so, you know, you've got the Griever there at the beginning of this book and you've got all these guys and Reed states his plan in front of the bad guy. And it's like the bad guy is just okay 
in responding to Reed the way Reed wants to be responded to. And it is, it, it seems very much like, okay, you guys go tear up our stuff. We're going to go over here and huddle for a moment. And it almost felt like the griever just sort of stood there and did nothing while all of the, the uh, Marvel heroes are over there tearing apart her stuff. And last thing I'll say about this book <laughs> is that I cannot stand the design of the griever. Um, she, you know, she, we, we learn in the book that she is one of the, uh, abstractions in the Marvel universe, like eternity, uh, uh, Lord's order and chaos. Right. I mean, she, you know, the in-betweener, you know, she is the embodiment of something that's an idea, right. And hers is, uh, uh, you know, extinction. It is, uh, I, the, I'm not finding the word, but, uh, uh, entropy. Right. Chaos. Um, no, because there's a Lord. She's not chaos. Her, her whole thing is that everything has an end. Oh, right. Yeah. Everything comes apart. Um, you know, extinction, not death necessarily, but you know, just sort of an end. But, uh, you know, so she's the, an abstraction. Um, when you look at those other characters, their design makes sense. Eternity, you know, who reflects the, the universe makes sense. Lord's Lord's order and chaos, you know, kind of have the uh the Greek tragedy mask look aspect about them. They make sense. I mean, all of these designs make sense. Hers doesn't look like anything to me. Hers just looks like somebody said, "Well, that look cool." But it doesn't tie into who she is and what she means. Yeah, I I hate the villain. I yeah. have, the design is bad, the villain concept, the concept isn't bad of uh you know, a source of entropy, but the personification of it's bad. The, there's nothing interacting about it. Nothing. It's not an interesting character in any way. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about the issue though, are the family moments. Yeah. I would say those worked. Yeah. When they do, (laughs) when they do their huddle and you see Sue has uh, a tear in her eyes, uh, being reunited. I like those conver- I like that conversation. I like the reuniting with the kids and all of that. Uh, I even liked Spider-Man showing up and giving, starting to give the uh, with great power comes great responsibility, and Ben stepping in and saying, "Nope, not doing that to the kid." I'm gonna say, guys, I hated the shit out of this book. Hated every page, every oh, everything. God, I love you. Uh, I mean. <laughs> So, you know, Reed Richards calls upon everyone who's ever been in the Fantastic Four for this grand battle. And literally 20 pages, they spend, like, just, like, having conversations. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, oh, it's great to see you. It's been so long. What have yeah. you been doing? Blah, and the Griever's just sitting on the sidelines while they do this. Yeah, right? I'm like, okay, yeah. so someone – she just destroyed about, you know, 30 billion people. But she's just chilling and, you know, hey, friends, why don't you go fight this battle? We're just going to go have a heart-to-heart real quick. We'll be back in about 30 minutes. I mean, it's like, why? (laughs) hold on. This is not the moment for your sweet, touching moments and your family moments. You are mid-battle with someone who is the living embodiment of entropy or destruction or whatever the hell and has murdered, murdered billions of people just like 20 minutes ago. And you're just like – And and according to Reed – the greatest threat to the Marvel universe. No other threat has been greater 
than this person, the Griever. And I mean, I'm like, well, it seems like Korvac was a bigger threat than this person. It seems like Thanos was a bigger threat than this person. Seems like Annihilus. Remember the, Annihil- the, the Annihilation wave? Seems like Annihilus is a bigger threat. I mean, yeah. I can I can name it. It seems like Paste Pot Pete might have been, been a bigger threat <laughs> than the Griever. No, I like, I get what you're saying, Paul, and I do agree with that. It wasn't the right moment for it with that. You know, I could give the uh, the argument that well, Reed had everybody doing what they needed to do, and so they didn't need to. But really, that is <laughs> well, that's even worse. Like, that's hey, a that's a bad argument too. <laughs> I um, loved those conversations and those scenes, but that wasn't the moment for them. I give you, I definitely give you that. Yeah, I just I felt it was like. It just didn't work for me. Um, and then you know you've got this whole scene with the Hulk where he's like, "Hey, I was secret never Hulk, here. Secret, secret Hulk." <laughs> and I'm like, "Why is there a secret Hulk? Like, it feels yeah. like there should be a screen cap there, like you, to understand why being such a bitch, you know, read Indestructible Hulk number five or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the name of the current Hulk book is, but Immortal Hulk. I, immortal. Yeah, so I think it's Immortal. I don't know. This book was. It's, I, and I. I agree with the issues on the art. I was like, are there different artists on this book? Like, or do they, you know, because some of the pages were so terrible and some of them were decent. Uh, but I, I don't know if Nico Leon is a different artist or if he's an anchor. I don't, it, it was like this, everything about this book was uneven to me. Um, and so I, I really didn't care for it. I will struggle to pick up issue four. Um, I kind of want to get through the wedding issue, but I, I will say that what I liked about the book was the same thing that Wayne talked about, which was the family moments. I feel like Dan Slott's approach to the Fantastic Four is correct. I felt like his pacing for this story was off. I felt like he had a great idea about bringing in everybody who's ever been a fantastic member of the Fantastic Four. I think it's a great way to kick off his first arc. I think it's a great solution to the problem. I just think that it was executed poorly. Yeah, and we've talked about him having pacing issues since issue one. But, you know, Paul, we did not talk about the recent issue of Marvel 2-in-1, which was uh, featured Ben Grimm and Reed Richards. And I got to say, a lot of what I was looking for in the pages of Fantastic Four and uh, issues one through three uh, is in that book. Yeah, Ben called him out. Yeah, yeah, Ben telling him exactly how he felt about, you know, Reed and Sue uh, running off without him and let, letting them think that they're dead. Um, I, I think it's a really strong book. And, you know, if you're reading Fantastic Four, you owe it to yourself to pick up that issue of Marvel 2-in-1 just to hear some of the some of the uh, resolution to issues that I, I think are not going to be addressed in this book. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the next issue because it's going to be Ben and, uh, and Sue. Sue. Yeah. And I want to see their conversation, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, I mean, it, it didn't stick the landing for me. Um, so, but a, a new book started this week from Marvel, The Black Order Number 1. And so, you know, The Black Order were Thanos's lieutenants during Jonathan Hickman's uh, Infinity book. And um, leading up to that, uh, they were featured in um, the Avengers Infinity War movie. And uh, so uh, novelist Derek Landy uh, is with artist, I think it's Philip Tan. Is that the artist on this book? That, that is correct. Um, and they are telling uh, kind of now that the Black Order is working for, I believe, the Grand Master. Um, you know, they, they've they've got this like new mission in life. And so, you know, this is their tale. The first book that really focuses on them specifically. Aaron, what did you think? 
hated this book. Uh, I, 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 the artwork was fine. I, I hated the story. I'm not, I, I gotta tell you, Paul, I bought this book for you. Uh, you know, I, I knew that you were picking it up. I know that you really like these characters. And I'm like, ah, I'll pick up the book. I, I can do my buddy Paul a solid. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can give him somebody to talk about. But, you know, I like these guys as supporting characters. I think they're nice color in the corners. Um, I do not think that they uh, have the ability to to lead their own book. Um, I, I felt like, you know, uh, is it Corvus Corvus is the the narrator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's got this inner dialogue going the whole time. And, and I, I get that it was supposed to be amusing. I didn't laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, but his whole inner dialogue is, I think I'm the funny one. <laughs> you know, I am I the funny one? Could I be the funny one? Let me try and make a joke. Kill them with violence. And nobody laughs. Um, I I just strongly didn't like the book because the, the stakes, the stakes don't seem big enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they're attacking an empire that I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I've been out of Marvel comics for a while. Maybe this, maybe this, uh, empire is something that that's a thing in the pages of Marvel comics now, but you know, it wasn't, uh, prior to, uh, infinite, uh, not, yeah. Infinity war and the secret wars. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is just, you know, let's go ahead and create an empire so that we can destroy it. But the stakes aren't high. I don't care about anybody on the page. They're all, other than the Black Order, they're all new characters. Um, and they, they've not done enough to earn my uh, interest. And so this was my first and last issue of the Black Order. But, Paul, they were aiming at you, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 were, they were shooting at, at guys like Paul who just love these characters. Tell me, Paul, tell me. Did they did, did did they did they did they stick the landing? Did they did they hit the bullseye? What do you think, Paul? Oh, I love this book. No, I'm just kidding. I hated this book. <laughs> I, 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 I hated this book. Um, it, it's it's and here's the thing. I am actually a fan of the author Derek Landy. Um, he I writes a, a he writes a series of books, uh, Skullduggery Pleasant. It's uh, uh, okay. it's um, a skeleton detective, and I, I quite enjoy them. Uh, and so I was excited about this book. I love the Black Order characters in what – I love the Black Order characters as Hickman wrote them. I did not read that recent um, Avengers big crossover event. I don't recall the name of it, That, uh, but it, it crossed over – No Surrender, I think is what it was called. And it featured the Black Order. I didn't read that, so I don't know. You know, I didn't miss this thing between the Challenger and the Grandmaster that set up this series. I thought the art on the book, at least the first half of the book, was gorgeous. Like he, like he came out of the gate strong, Philip Tan, and then in the last half of the book, he's like, "Yeah, it's okay." Like I already showed all the all the cool stuff I needed to show. Uh, so, um, like the last half of the book was meh, but the first half of the book was gorgeous. I thought, but in general, these characters are interesting as villains, right? They're interesting as generals. They're not interesting as leads for their own book. Um, you know, we're not reading a book about the X-Men. Um, you know, if, if the main draw of your character is like, Hey, out of all the murderous bastards on this team, am I the funny one? No, I'm really not funny. Like it's just, I thought the, the, the tone was wrong. Um, I, you know, I feel like there could be a good book written about these characters. I don't think this was it. Um, you know, it, 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 it took these characters and tried to like guardians of the galaxy them basically. And that's not what these characters are. Yeah. 
and I would be down for a dark Guardians of the you know a a a, a uh, evil character sort of Guardians of the Galaxy book, but this wouldn't it. You just have to take the right tone, you know. Yeah. You have to take like a somber, serious tone, which you know they, they just didn't go with. They tried to go with, here's this fun adventure book featuring these guys who you may remember murdered millions of people, the greatest threats to the Marvel universe. <laughs> No, well, Paul, yes. you know, speaking of great th- threats to the universe, I just got to say, Darkseid is. Ah, yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Miracle, issue 12 of 12, the grand finale to, uh, I think, last year's uh, Funny Book Award winning, uh, you know, best comic series. Uh, the winner of two Eisner Awards for best writer and best artist uh, finished just uh just this week and uh this has been a a favorite of ours throughout its run paul what'd you think (laughs) so you know i had a conversation with aaron yesterday and i said hey um so mr miracle like can i don't get it (laughs) um it Ultimately, you know, the way Aaron explained it makes sense. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those books that I you, you can't really read um, like right before bed. You can't read distracted with TV on in the background because they're yeah, I, while I, I, I interpreted most of it correctly. I, I you know, I, I missed like a key aspect of it. I thought it was great. I really did. You know, I, I think, again, it's one of those things that you kind of have to. You have to focus. You have to you, you have to turn your brain on, which we've said about Mr. Miracle in general. Um, but I, I, I thought this series was just just so well done from start to finish. Um, you know, they, it does end with them saying, hey, to be not continued, um, you know, Mr. Miracle series will not be continued. It's new and thrilling successor will soon be soon be on sale. So, you know, Tom King and Mitch Jarrett are, are, are working on something else. And I know Mitch Jarrett is doing a couple of issues of Batman uh, with Tom King. I don't think that's what they're referring to. Um, what did you think of this book, Aaron? I absolutely love this book. I, f- I found, you know, so many times we read a series of this length and it just doesn't, it just doesn't end well. It is, does, it's not satisfying uh, in, in the uh, final act. And I got to tell you, I found this book immensely satisfying. I found I, what I, what I find about this book is that it, it always came to the top of my read pile. Uh, you know, it was always the first book that I read. Uh, I, I was so into this book. Uh, you know, I, I think it took me an issue or two to really warm up to it. But once I did, I mean, I was just all in, uh, I'm going to miss this interpretation of Scott free. Uh, I, I really, truly deeply admire the effort that Tom King went to create this, this story in this universe, this setting uh, for Scott free and big Barda. I, I, I just love the take on it. Um, I, I feel like he's done something rather unique with these characters and you know, I, the, the ending, the way the book wraps up and we're not going to spoil it here for you because we would be doing you a tremendous disservice. If you want to be spoiled, just Google the, this book because so many other blogs have spoiled the ending in the headlines of their blogs. Um, but know that even if you were spoiled, the book is worth the read. Um, this is a book. I There have been times when I have read the book multiple times the same week. Because I wanted to squeeze every drop of wonder from the book. 
Um, it is it is just that good. It is a book that I will put up on the shelf in print cover uh, up there with my Watchmen and my Dark Knight Returns. It is that good of a book. And I think it's going to be that kind of a book that people revisit. Uh, I don't think I, I'm the only one who feels this way. It is just that strong. And, you know, to... to you know, to, to to point out, you know, Paul's predicament with, uh, you know, I'm not really sure I got the ending. I think it's one of those multi-layered sorts of stories where it gives you the opportunity to interpret the book. You know, it's not just so in your face. This is the story. Yeah. There's a lot to interpret. There's a lot to figure out. And I think it really rewards the reader for the experience. So, yeah, this is a big thumbs up. Uh, I think Tom King and uh, uh, Mitch Jarrett's. Yes. Name? Mm-hmm. Uh, did an amazing job on this book. I, I just I, I can't I can't say enough good about it. Uh, you know I, you can't read this book and not fall in love with Big Bard all over again. Oh yeah, yeah. and that you, you mentioned one thing that I want to you know reiterate, which is I'm going to miss this interpretation of these characters. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, see I mean, others adopt it, mind you. No, but I you know I, I I am going to miss this interpretation of these characters. I'm going to miss this world, and I think that's the point, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns. I do think DC would be doing this book a disservice if they didn't advertise it as a seminal work in the future. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. So, you know, it, it is a fantastic book. And even though we interpreted it differently, ultimately we interpreted it the same, just with some with a slight variation that adds, you know, a different different take on the end. Um, but it is a fantastic book. Wonderful art. Um, you know, this, this is two creators at the top of their game. Um, and so Mr. Miracle, you know, I heard they will release a collected edition. Uh, highly recommend picking it up if you haven't already. Um, you know, one thing I, I do want to mention in regards to this book, since this is the first DC book we're talking about, and we mentioned how Marvel, you know, doesn't really have advertising in their books. Um, you know, th- this book does feature a preview of the upcoming Kelly Sue DeConnick um, written Aquaman book. And, you know, he's lost his memory. He's lost his kingdom. Can he find the hero within? Oof, yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't be picking that Aquaman book. Yeah, up. That's a hard out for me, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, yeah. I looked at that. And I, well, I've been wondering why Kelly Sue, I, I don't read a lot of comic news because so much comic news spoils stories. And so I don't read much of it. And that seems strange for someone who has a comic book podcast. But uh, uh, I, so I was com- I, I, on Instagram. I saw Kelly Sue had a bunch of stuff about Aquaman in her feed. And I'm like, what the hell is that all about? And, you know, then, of course, I see this ad. So I, I like Kelly Sue, uh, but I think I, I tend to enjoy her personality more than I enjoy her writing these days. Um, and, yeah, this does not look fun to me at all. Yeah. And, you know, the Arthur loses his his memory and is landlocked and, you know, but he has this connection to the sea. And what is it? It's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to yeah. see that story again. How many times have we seen that story? Everyone loses their memory at some point. Oh, you know, like it's I'm out. I'm so totally out, which is a shame because, you know, we, we've got an Aquaman movie coming up in uh, one month and uh, I'd really like to be back reading Aquaman, but I'll just reread the stories that inspired the movie, uh, the Jeff Johns run. Exactly. Um, so one more book we wanted to talk about from DC this week, which is Superman number five uh, from the creative team of uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Rice, um, Joe Prado. In fact, I think Joe Prado, uh, oh, he's the inker. Uh, so, you know, we, we've, this book has 
you know, when it started, we were kind of annoyed that it was just this continuation of the Man of Steel book that we didn't care for. <laughs> and, you know, since then, the book has, has kind of turned around. And, and I think in general, we've enjoyed it. Uh, Speak for yourself. I'm off of Superman and I'm off of Action Comics. They've driven me away from the books that I were loving so much before. Well, so so Wayne hates them. But <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, what did you think of this week's Superman number five? First of all, let me say that I found the opening of the book to be uh, uh, confusing. Um, yeah. You, you know, and, and it makes sense when you get a couple of pages into it. But it was one of those things where I started reading it rather late at night. And I, I put it down because I'm like, I'm missing something. I've missed an issue. That's what I, I thought. I'm like, wait, did I miss issue four? Because I thought I thought issue four yeah. ended with, with the you know big battle about to start. I'm like, oh, damn, maybe I missed an issue in between. I did not. Exactly. Yeah, no. No, you didn't. And But it, it makes sense later on. It's just one of those in-media res kinds of things that you have to, to wait for it to, to start making sense. Long story short, you know, we're still fighting Rogelzar. You know, uh, Superman is still trapped in the Phantom Zone with all the all the bad guys. And Rogelzar is leading them against him. Um, but what I thought was a stroke of genius in this book is we see General Zod. And General Zod is having visions. And he's, his visions are uh, reunifying Krypton. And building a new Krypton with unifying the House of Zod and the House of El and the House of Kandor. Not really sure how he's going to do that since Kandor is dead. But, uh, you know, he has this vision of, 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 of bearing the hatchet with everybody that he's got a grievance against and asking them, can you, can you do this? Can you heal the rift? Can you join me? You know, and, and he, he's got this great vision, and then he's got this vision of what's going on in the Phantom Zone. And so General Zod gets into the Phantom Zone so that he can defeat Rogelzar. And I just thought this was a, a really interesting take, and I liked I liked seeing General Zod working uh, on the same side as, as uh, Superman. I agree. I, I dug this book. I have one complaint. I, the art feels super rushed. Um I you know I, Ivan Rice is a tremendous artist, but it seemed like the inks in the book were not nearly as skillfully laid as they have been in previous issues. Well, and I think uh, part of that is that you know that you can tell there's two different. Well, you can't tell they told you <laughs> there's two different inkers, yeah. right? So I think that's yeah. part of it. You know, Joe Prado is is Ivan Rice's usual go to um, yeah. when it comes to inking, and and you know you can tell the difference between his and the uh, alternative. And, and I mean, just, and it's sad because there's some beautiful pages laid out. And I always kind of wonder about this because, you know, this is going to be a story that's collected, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to wind up in hardcover, in a hardcover edition. It's going to wind up in a softcover edition. And, you know, I when that when you've got something where I feel like you've got a member of the team who dropped the ball, and I think one of the anchors did, is there ever that temptation to go back and re-ink those pages and bring it up to stuff? We never see that, right? No. But I, but I wonder about that. Does I mean is there anybody who goes, hey, yeah, that new kid Bob that you brought in to ink pages, you know, two, eight, and twenty really kind of fucked that shit up. Why don't we uh, go ahead and have my boy over here? My boy. It? Yeah. I, I, I as a as a reader, I'd kind of like that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but we never we never get to see that. No. But be that as it may, 
I really thought this was a good book, Paul. I agree. And, you know, Wayne, I know you're out of and I don't I don't disparage you of that because. Yeah, and I'm not trying to recruit you back to it. You know what you like. But this scratched me right where I itched. Yeah, I may give it another try once the Rogelzar stuff is over, because I do like Bendis's voice for Superman. I just can't stand that story. My issues with ac- action are a completely different issue. So, Paul, can I complain about the uh, preview cover? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we got a preview cover for the return of John Kent. I'm not happy about this, Paul. Just how, how Jonathan Kent has, has aged? Well, it appears that he's aged. appears he's pissed off. You know, it looks, seems, you know, you're given the idea that maybe he doesn't like Dad so much. Um, I, I, I'm just not wild about this, Paul. Uh, I'm just... I was like, okay, these guys are talking about an interesting story. Yeah, it'd be cool to see Zod do something other than try to kill Superman. What did they just do to Jonathan Kent? F well, them. we don't know. We'll find <laughs> out in January. January. We, we yeah. will find out in January. You have to report back on that. <laughs> and I think, you know, I, I wonder if he's just, you know, getting Jonathan Kent a couple years older in age to differentiate him from um, the fact that they're bringing Connor Kent back as well. But we'll find out in January. Yeah, I, I'm just really not not interested in seeing Surly Kent. No, I agree. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but anyway, it was a good book. Yeah, it was a good I book. I'm a little worried about the January book, but uh, this was a good book. I enjoyed it. Um, Paul, yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week being Thanksgiving, um, you know, not a ton of books, but we do get new issues of Batman and Justice League Dark and Sleepwalker. Um, we get the collected edition, which, you know, a story that I never actually finished reading um, of Dan Abnitz and Stepan Sayich's uh, Aquaman arc. You know, I, I, I started it, but I guess, I, you know, at some point I just kind of accidentally fell off of it just because a lot of books were coming out around that time. So I may check that out. We'll see. Um you know, that and more we, we will surely talk about <laughs> next week on Funny Books. Hey, you know, uh, just in case you didn't, you, you haven't listened to it, there is a terrific interview with uh, J. David Spurlock, uh, comics historian and uh, coordinator of the all-new, all-different Dallas Fantasy Fair, which is coming right to you, Dallas, Texas, uh, this coming weekend, uh, Thanksgiving weekend in uh, Dallas, Texas, or actually in, in Irving at the Irving Convention Center. Um, in that interview germane to your interests there is, he tells a terrific story about stanley and i gotta tell you a horrifying story about artists rights relating to a uh, uh nazi concentration camp survivor and uh the auschwitz museum uh he's just full of stories you know if you're interested in old uh marvel like jim steranko stanley it's a terrific interview to listen to I highly recommend it and elsewhere on the site over in the rainsboro feed and if you go to iomgeek.com you'll see the rainsboro button over on the right go over there and listen to ghosts of rainsboro uh ghosts of rainsboro season two episode one's been up for a little while now ghosts of rainsboro season two episode two dropped last week uh, so go, go out there and listen to those. Uh, if you have a question, comment, concern, want to tell us why R- Wayne is wrong about so many things, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. Where else can they find us, Paul? Well, they can find us on Instagram, IOMGeek. They can find us on Facebook, IOMGeek. And they can find us on Twitter, Ideology Madness. Also, I do want to reiterate, that goes of Rainsboro. 
oh, it's so good this season, guys. And I, you know, I know I'm on it, but when I listen to it, I feel like I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, like I'm genuinely invested in the story. Uh, like I'm like, oh, that's so good. It's so creepy. Um, so good, guys. <laughs> genuinely so good. So all right, all right. Well, since we won't talk to you before then, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and we will see you after. Bye, everybody. And I'm I'm thankful for you. He lies. <laughs> Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.